Have you heard the advice? Don't compare your behind the scenes to another person's highlight reel. It's true. As women, we struggled with this for a long time. Think Sarai and Hagar back in Genesis 16. And it doesn't help that our devices have now made it even easier to see what others share that makes it look like they've got it all together and always have and feel like you don't and never will. But it doesn't just happen when watching someone on social. It happens just as much when listening to someone on a podcast. That's why today I'm pulling back the curtains and talking all about me because I want you to know that I haven't always had it figured it out and I still don't, but God is at work and used a really difficult season in my life to make me who I am today so I can equip you to navigate how to make the best use of your time in the midst of a challenging season too. Stick around, because it's actually not all about me. I pray that as you hear me share my story of pain to power with my good friend Beth Montpass, that you will also reflect on your story and what God might be doing in the midst of it. And at the end, I'll share three steps you can take starting today to handle a difficult season in your life or support someone you love in theirs. So let's pull back the curtain together. Hey, busy girl, welcome to the Redeem Her Time podcast. Do you wish you were able to actually follow through on intentions and know where God wants you to focus? Do you find yourself looking up daily routines, time management, or life balance? Do you try to stick to your priorities, but find yourself overwhelmed and overcommitted because you said yes yet again? That's not the life he intends for you. Hey, I'm Lissa. Christian time management coach, priorities protector, and recovering to-do list girl. And I get it. I filled my plate with all the things and felt stretched too thin and only half present. I wanted to say no without the guilt so I could be available for what mattered most. But I felt like I didn't have enough time, energy, or self-discipline to make it all happen. Then, God led me to manage my time with faith as a foundation. On this podcast, you'll discover how to know what he's called you to, make the best use of your time and overcome distractions so you can be more present and lovingly say no. It's time to give your best time and attention to what matters in this season and in light of eternity. Grab something to sip and open up your heart and calendar. I'm about to show you how to redeem your time with God at the center of it all. You ready? Hey friend, gotta admit, I'm feeling a little vulnerable today as I share about this part of my life and the impact that it's had. But I know it's worth it if it inspires, challenges, and moves you to action after listening, or at least to awareness of God's hand in your own story, or in the story of someone you know. You're going to hear me talking a lot about my story today, but before I share this interview, I want to ground it all in his story. So let's read from Romans 8, starting in verse 18. For I considered that the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, 
but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And here's this verse I love. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So what does that passage of scripture give us to take into the struggle of our stories? That this current suffering does not compare to the glory to come. That we wait eagerly for what we were created for, to be fully redeemed. That we can hope in him for what we cannot see and wait with patience. That the spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us. That God has a purpose and works all things together for good in it. And that God's ultimate purpose is to form us into the image of his son. Does that give you hope for what you cannot see? It does for me. And that's the only way that I was able to navigate this really difficult season. You may not be in the same storm you see that I was, but chances are life is not quite gone as you expected. And you have a choice, a choice to hope and trust in his purpose for you and be strengthened by him or to try to row that boat alone. I pray that you choose the first one. So let's listen in to my conversation with my friend, Beth Montpass. Hello, welcome to the Pain to Power podcast. And I am lucky enough to get to spend time with Lissa Friggins. I am so grateful that you're here as a mom, as a wife, as a time management coach, as a friend, as a fellow networker. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> it's such a joy to be here. So I appreciate you and love that everyone gets to listen into our conversation today. Yes, I love it. And we are switching gears a little bit and not spending time talking about what your go-to topic is of time management. I admire so much of that around you, but we're really, I would say, going to a deep heart space with you. And let me read Alyssa's bio so that everyone is up to speed on what our topic is today, because it's a deep one. It's a beautiful one. It's a heart give. When Lissa and her family are fighting an unseen battle, you cannot see the enemy. Lissa Biggins is a wife to a U.S. Army veteran and mom to two sons on active duty. Over 20 years and multiple deployments, she shouldered her part of the mission on the home front, caring for three kids and a household for up to a year at a time. But the hardest battle of all, was when war came home. At first, he said he was not affected by what he had seen, but soon Lissa realized he was not okay. His PTSD surfaced, affecting not only her husband, but their relationship and deeply wounding Lissa as well. Through the support of family and friends, professionals and the military community, Lissa and her husband found healing from this unseen wound. Now they partner together to provide support, programs, and hope, oh, my favorite word, for other veterans and their families. Her current mission is supporting her husband and three other veterans who will be rowing 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean in 2023 to raise awareness and support for veteran mental wellness and suicide prevention. This battle is worth the fight. Thank you for being here. Here's what's so interesting about the story. I did not know that I was signing up to be a military wife. 
Like when my husband and I met, he was in the National Guard. He had gotten in when he was in high school and he was like most of the way through his commitment to them. And so we got married. He had one more year left. So all he did was drill and then he was done. Right. So I'm like, okay, great. Like, I'm glad you serve our country. Like, I really love that. It wasn't really a thing that was like in our life every day. And then 9-11 happened and he just couldn't sit by. He is a patriot through and through. He's a, I'm going to protector of my family, of my country, of our freedom. And it wasn't even really a question that he asked me, okay, would you be okay with this? It was more of a statement. I was totally okay with it. Like, I just knew that it was going to be okay. And this is what he was supposed to be doing. And by me holding him back because of my fears, like that wasn't going to make it better for anyone. And so I think he signed on the dotted line. I want to say it was like in November, he reenlisted by February, they had orders to go overseas and he left by July, one week before our youngest was turning one years old. And so it happened really fast. And I think I wasn't expecting that. And my dad often jokes, he's, you had no idea you were going to be a military wife. I think it's one thing. So you mentioned, I've got two boys in the military that are both on active duty. One of them is getting married in a few months and his fiance knows full well what she is stepping into. She doesn't know all the things that are going to happen. And I'll share a little bit more about that in a few minutes, but she knows I'm going to be a military wife. He's going to be gone for long periods of time. It's going to be a strain in our marriage. I'm going to have to solo parent. Like she's walking into this decision, like with that full knowledge and awareness, I had to figure it out on the fly and my husband's career was in the National Guard in the reserves. So we never lived for a little bit of time when he did some training, we did. But for the most of his career, we did not live on or near a base. So I did not have other military wives around me to ask questions, to figure this out together, to even grab the resources. And this was a lot of this was before we had the resources online. Now there are so many podcasts for military wives and there's online groups and Facebook groups and things like that. I literally had nothing back in those days. And so I'm the girl that figures it out. I'm a go-getter. I can do hard things. So he'd be gone for a year. I'm like, all right, we're doing this. And so in the military, for those of you who are not a military background, we call that household six. Household six is the person who's on like the back end, making sure that everything's running smoothly. And I remember my husband saying to me multiple times, I'm so glad that you're strong because that helps me to carry out my mission over here. Because he had friends who his wives were falling apart when they were gone. And then it was really distracting for them to be doing the things they're doing. They're feeling guilty. They're feeling all the things, right? Whereas with us, sometimes I think I was too strong. Cause I was like, okay, put you on the shelf. I'm going to do this. Like I just had to get in the mindset of this is my mission. I just have to make this happen. And we were homeschooling at the time too. So I wore all the hats. I didn't have a break. And so really for me, the hard part really wasn't him being gone. And because people would often say like, how do you do it with him being gone? And I'm again, just, I figured it out. I just got in the mindset. I made it happen. Yeah. There were communication issues and stuff like that with time zones and all those crazy things. I think at one point he was like eight and a half hours difference. And like, who knew there was a time zone that included a half hour. So I literally would put like the time on my like oven clock so that I could always look at it. And I had a piece of tape above it that said the country he was in. So somebody else is at my house and they looked at that. They're like, what time is it? I'd be like, oh, that's over there. Cause it was the extra 30 minutes. It was hard while he was gone, but the hardest part was when he came home. And so one of the things that you mentioned when you read that was when work came home and that phrase came from a Bible study that I did. Actually, we were together at the time we were near a base. He was training. And so we had moved with him as a family because it was going to be an extended training he was doing. And so I'm like, Hey, if we can go with you, I'm not going to sit back home. So we did, we got involved with the church. 
And there was a group of military wives who were doing this study called When War Comes Home. So I'm like, sign me up, right? Friends and something that's going to help me grow. Like I'm up for all the things. And I remember Beth, I remember sitting there and thinking, wow, this is really great, but my husband's really strong and he doesn't have any problems with this stuff. It was really about healing from trauma. And I remember just thinking maybe someday this study will be for someone I know. So I'm going to lean in. I'm still going to do the study. I'm still going to engage, right? And I'm just going to put on the shelf because someday I'm sure I'm going to connect with some military wife who's going to need this. And I can pull this out and say, here, this is a great resource for you. And to be honest, I actually have done that with a couple of people. Like I actually have pulled it out and given it to them, but it wasn't very long after I did that study. It was a few years that I realized I was the one who needed that. (laughs) And I was like, oh my goodness, I never thought I would be here. And I'm so glad I had it. There's so many juicy pieces in what you've just shared from this expectation that you had to be strong. You had to be strong. So it's like putting another coat of armor on you, another brick on your shoulder that there's one way to do this and it's not to be in breakdown like otherwise because that causes undue stress on their husband. So you had that expectation and it's, oh, what that must have felt like. And I love that you notice. That's such a notice moment because so many times in our life where we are judging the way we're going through something. I just recently went through the loss of my mother and I was judging, am I still shining through this or am I in breakdown and kind of giving myself a rating or a grade each day on how I was doing? So interesting about tasks to be strong. I heard you talk about community and the importance of community, the strength in those other military wives, and we aren't meant to do this life alone. So I'm glad I want you to talk more about that. And one of my questions to you is, what was your first indication that this Bible study wasn't just for other people? This is for you. What can you describe that moment of a light bulb of your pain going on. There was a light bulb moment, but there were a lot of little things ahead, right? So like he was home, but not fully there. He was irritable, like really quick to anger and just restless at nighttime, had a hard time sleeping. Literally, physically would be like fighting in his dreams. And because I was the one next to him, it would be like, he's coming over onto me, like thinking I'm the enemy and I'd have to wake him up and be like, it's your wife. It's your wife. It's okay. And I was okay with that. Cause I knew he wasn't trying to like hurt me or whatever. He would just be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I could just see, especially the anger and things like that, like just kept coming back. And I just felt like it eventually got to the point where I was the enemy and where it felt like, yeah, I was the one that was being attacked. And it wasn't that it was me, but I oftentimes was the one who was there. So if he was upset or triggered by something that was taking him back to those places. So what happens, and this is, I didn't know this before, but now I know this part, right? What happens with PTSD and with TBI, traumatic brain injury, is like your brain literally rewires. It can be a little thing and you just get sent immediately into fight. And so it can be the littlest thing It can be a traffic jam. And all of a sudden it's like, we're full scale world war three. And of course I'm the one sitting in the passenger seat. More and more of those things were happening. But the problem was whenever I tried to address it in the best way that I knew how, because I really wasn't equipped. I didn't know anybody who was dealing with this. I didn't have any resources. I didn't have any people that were speaking into this. I wasn't even really talking about it because 
that was not okay for him, for me to be talking about this. But the more I tried to address it, the more there he would get and the more it would come back on me. And so what I did is I just put up my wall, right? Like I've got emotionally numb. I was like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm committed to you, but right now I don't really love you. And so I'm just going to protect myself. And I really did like when I'm thinking about like your podcast, like being the victim, I think there was a point where I really, I did. I saw myself as a victim and I saw like all these things that were being done to me and these hurtful words that were being said to me and all those things. But here was that moment when I realized that I'm not the victim. He was actually the victim. I can picture it right now in my head, exactly where we were. And he said, Hey, I considered taking my life. Like, this is really hard. And I was like, oh my gosh, like my husband is struggling to that point. Like I had no idea. Like I was so almost blinded to what would even be going on in his head. All I could think about was protecting myself, protecting our kids. Do I need to leave him? Like literally those were the conversations I was having. I had friends who were not military people that were speaking and going, hey, listen, this this is not okay. This is not normal. This is like all those things. And I was like, yeah, but if I say something or I try to go to counseling, it makes it worse. So it was when he said that, that I was like light bulb. Okay. This really is an issue because before that he would always say PTSD doesn't exist. It's something they made up for weak people who can't handle being a soldier. That was his mindset. And so when he finally got to the point where he was willing to admit, I think the first person he called and talked to was his brother. And so he admitted it to somebody else. And then he, it wasn't right away, but he finally went and got professional help. And then I also started reaching out to some friends, but also to counselor to go, I can't fight this fight by myself. And I love my husband, right? I want to support him. But here's the thing. If he had come home with an arm severed or losing his legs, like we see so often, like, of course I would know when I saw him getting angry because he couldn't put a shoe on or when he couldn't do something he wanted to do, like I wouldn't take it personally. I would know that's because he's been injured. This is just the effect of war of what he experienced and what happened to him. But because his injuries were internal, I couldn't see them. So it was not top of mind for me because I didn't have that mindset. I didn't have the tools I have now to say, this is not my husband being a jerk. This is his injury that literally is taking over his brain. And it's not that there's no responsibility or anything like that, but it's a very different way you see it. And so that's when I started not seeing myself as a victim. This isn't just what's happening to me. Like this is what's happening to my husband. I need to help him get healthy, right? So that he's healing from this, which is also going to help heal our marriage, which is going to help with all these other areas and stuff like that. But it was hard. It was really hard for a long time, for sure. And we still were not near a base or anything like that. So that was also that like very difficult thing in being in the situation, but not having people around me, but that happens with hard things all the time, right? Like you go through, like you said, a death of a parent, that doesn't mean you've got a bunch of people around you who suddenly are like, oh yeah, I've done this too. In some way they can relate on some level, but it's not always, yeah, I get this. from you to really hear you saying your focus changed from you being the victim to him being the victim and focusing out. I hear that all over your share, but who else did you have to be for him? I want to highlight some of the courage and the not taking things personally. I heard you say that as well. Can you speak into that? Because I think that's so helpful. It was not taking things personally, but was also not being fine about it. And that again was really hard, even after he had admitted, okay, maybe there is a problem. Like the fact that I would reach out to a pastor, the fact that I would reach out to a counselor or to a friend was not met with, oh, I'm so glad you're doing these things to help us. It was still seen as me like being against him. And years later, he's been able to say, hey, I, my wife had to have a lot of courage and a lot of strength 
to reach out for help and to keep doing these things, even when I kept trying to stop her from doing that. So yeah, so it took recognizing it, but it also took saying something and going to outside of us. Like the two of us, were not going to be able to figure this out. That was very apparent pretty quickly. And I think most things in life, right? We need that outside perspective. And in one book that I'm actually working through right now, because I'm always looking for any resources, it's called, oh, I don't have it sitting here next to me, but I'll give you the name and title of it. But it's something about loving or supporting someone with PTSD. And they talk in there about being a compassionate companion, right? So I can have compassion for how he's hurting, for the things he's experiencing, but that doesn't mean that I just have to sit by and not say anything or just let, you know, negativity come or think. So there's still that like healthy boundaries. And that was something I really had to be really strong about was like, yeah, just because you're hurting doesn't mean that it's okay to hurt me. And so I had to put up some of those things just to protect him. Cause I knew that wasn't his heart. Like I knew his heart was not to hurt, but then also to protect our relationship because you can't unhear all the things you've heard. And I knew that if we could help to keep those things at a minimum in the process of, of healing, that was going to be better, right? Less of the stuff that we'd have to work through, but I couldn't just ignore it. So it was a two sides of the coin having compassion, but yet also being willing to take a stand sometimes when it was really hard. Yeah. I hear boldness, boldness and bravery. And with that compassion, you had to step forward. You had to raise your hand. You had to get help. And that is not easy. Made him not look good either. I think that was the hard piece of it. This wasn't just a me thing, right? And so that was where I was trying to protect him. I had to be very careful who was in my circle, right? I wasn't like I was blasting this all over the internet or even to just acquaintances. Like I had to protect him. I had to make sure that these were really special, significant people that I felt like I could share this with. Then I'm watching our kids and I'm thinking about like our sons who are both in the military. And I know my mama's heart, man, so proud. And yet there's that part of me that's fearful, but you know what? My husband, I think bears that burden even more because he knows physically and emotionally in every other area, like what potential there is for them to experience. And even I was just messaging with my future daughter-in-law a couple of days ago about just being a military wife and having some hindsight and sharing with her some things from this side of things. So that hopefully I can help her and them to prevent some of the issues that we went through. Cause I was just, was not prepared. I didn't have resources. I didn't have awareness around it. It just hit me. And I was like, I don't even know what this is and how to respond. And that's been the really cool thing is that now that my husband is in a healthier place, now that he's open to talking about his story, now I feel like I'm not blabbing it all over, although it's going on this podcast, right? But in a way that's going to really paint him in a good light and what God's done. Like really, this is what God did. And now we're able to take like our struggle and turn it into a way, like you read in the intro, to bring hope to others who are struggling in this or who may struggle with this down the road because we don't always know exactly what the journey holds, whether it's because you're part of military or just life, right? But it's important to know that you have the tools and resources and support around you. So when those things do happen, you have something to lean on and you've got a way to respond. I love that we are bringing light to this topic because it's oftentimes frowned on to share what's really going on behind closed doors, right? So when there's talking about these topics is so good. I also hear you saying you're going to support other military wives, just like your daughter-in-law's curious about what else you're doing to be in your full power. So talking about it, sharing your experience of his experience, which I think is tricky. I have kids and I have to always double check myself. It's their story to tell, but like I can share the mom experience of it. So I love that you're cognizant 
Uh, but share more. You mentioned something about this 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean. So this is another thing that I wasn't really asked, but I like, it's totally great, right? So my husband met some friends and he's got so many military connections from so many years in service. And so he met some guys a couple of years ago who talked about this rowing race that they had been a part of. And my husband was like, that is so cool. I would love to put together a team. And they're like, okay, 2024 is the next time we have an open spot for a team. And then they came back to an event that we hosted this past fall. And one of the guys is the founder of this organization called Fight or Die, O-A-R. And it's a veteran specific organization that is to raise awareness and provide funds and resources for veterans with mental health issues and to help prevent suicide. I watched my husband over the years. It's so hard to watch him because he'll see a movie and it triggers. He'll hear a song and it triggers. We were listening to some random song in the night at dinner with a friend here, his peer. And he just started breaking down crying because that song reminded him of this funeral of the soldier who had died. They played the song. So many things like bring these things up to the surface. So it really has hit him when people haven't come home, but he is also, he has a close friend that I think it's been about two years now. I remember where we were when he got the phone call and this guy's son took his life and he had been experiencing PTSD and just couldn't keep fighting that battle and decided that was the way that he was going to end it. And so he's just, that is not okay. Like just because my husband's done with the military part of his career or somebody gets out because of an injury, they really have a hard time with reintegration. So like when we talk about deployments, we talk about reintegration. Like how do you go back to life when you were solo parenting and you were making all the decisions and now all of a sudden your husband's back and things are a little rocky at first, right? So that's a reintegration that like military wives know a lot about. But for the soldiers, they can experience that too, coming back from a deployment where everything's been like high pace and really there's intention and there's mission and there's community and there's team and there's so much drive to like hitting the bad guys or whatever their mission is, right? And then they come home to like everyday life and it's, this is boring. This is a waste of my time. But then they get out of the career and they're like, what do I even do in life? Because the military is so structured and they tell you what to do, when to eat, when to sleep, whatever. So now you get out and you're like, what do I do? And so part of what this organization does, a couple things. One is providing examples to veterans that you can still do hard things. You can still do missions. You can, it may not be getting a boat and, and paddle 3000 miles. Like, what is it that you want to do? That's going to stretch you and grow you and keep fighting the fight. Right. The other piece of it then is the mental health piece of it. And Here's what I love. Like the other day we had some kids in my house. My husband's very well-versed in like medical trauma type things because he's had to use it in the military and his civilian job. And so he had all these medical kits and these kids I was watching for my friend are like, Hey, what's all this stuff? So he's got it out. He's showing them, Hey, if somebody's bleeding, here's how you put a tourniquet on. Here's how you do chest compressions, right? Like we've all taken those first aid courses because we were going to be a babysitter or a lifeguard or a mom or work at a camp or whatever, right? Because we want to be prepared if somebody is having a physical emergency that we can step in and at least help them until somebody else can come and give them the aid that they need, right? But what happens is with mental health, we don't really think about it. And then like me, you just try to figure it out. You think you're doing the right thing and then you make it worse. So this organization actually provides mental health first aid courses. They're free because it's all been funded by donors, but that really gives you the tools because this is not just about the military. Let's be honest. We've all seen in the last couple of years, mental health issues and suicide is on the rise and it's not probably going down ever. I think it's only going to be an issue. And so the more people who are prepared to step in until that person can get to a professional, obviously you're just that triage to you know, move them on, I think is really important. So this organization provides those courses for free that anybody can take, which I think is super, super helpful. And they also provide scholarships for people who are going into a career field that's going to serve veterans one day. So it could be anything from physical health things to 
teachers to pastors to counselors, kind of anybody that can show some tie-in of how I want to use this to help veterans. And so they're giving scholarships to people like that. So it's a really cool organization. And this is the shock part of it, right? How do you get people's attention? You get in a rowboat and you row across the Atlantic Ocean 3,000 miles and people are like, what? Are you crazy? You're like, yeah, because this cause is worth it. There was a team that million dollars last year for dogs. And he was like, seriously, if they can raise a million dollars for dogs, we'd better be able to raise a million dollars for our veterans because we all experience freedoms every day. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't have them. I love what you said. And I just want to shine a light on that mental health courses, like first aid for mental health, because we're all doing it for our own children, our friends, children, and we are acting like we're equipped maybe for choking in a restaurant, but we do not have any tools in our tool belt for dealing with mental health issues. So, wow, that felt like chills and just mic drop moment, but I'm so glad. It's like you are so awakened, Lissa, you and your family and the other military families that are dealing with that. Thank you for waking us up about this today. And thank you for the work you're doing to support veterans and families. If people want to follow you and they want to hear more about your story, what's the best way for them to connect? If you want to hear about me and what I just have a heart to help women make the best use of their time, whether your husband is across the world or whether he's right in the next room. So redeemhertime.com is where you can find my podcast and everything about what I do. But for what my husband's doing for this fight or die project we're working on, depending on which boat they end up with, it will take them anywhere from 33 to 50 days. And they do not get resupplied. They don't get a break. They don't get anything. Once you take off, you're on your own until you get to the end. So we are looking for people to follow us on social, share the message about what we're doing, share the resources about the mental first aid, donate if you want, or for people who are corporations that have funds that want to donate on a bigger level. We have a website which is FOD, so that's for fight or die, FOD23.org. And that's where you can go. There's a video I highly recommend. Go to the bottom of the homepage and there's a video that's called, do people really row the ocean? Because people always look at me like I have two heads when I say he's going to row the ocean 3,000 miles. You can't picture like, what does this really look like? We're thinking like one of those wooden rowboats like across the pond. That's not what we're talking about here. So watch that video. It's a YouTube video. This is a legit race that's been going on, international race for years. So people are doing it, but most of them are doing it for a cause like this. That's the best place to follow us. There'll be different events throughout the country coming up over the next few months. And then when the race actually takes off, there's a literal app where you can follow and track them all the way from the Canary Islands, which is just off the coast of Africa, over to Antigua, which is in the Caribbean. So yeah, hopefully I don't turn in one day and we're going in circles, right? <laughs> I want to make sure they're like beeline in for Antigua. I acknowledge you for being a wife who can handle that kind of stress watching that dot move. And you are no stranger to doing hard things and to trusting God, that God's got the wheel, right? And, or the or, maybe in this particular case. I acknowledge you for sharing your story, sharing your pain with us today. And team who's listening, we get to support Lissa and share out about this mission. And I'm grateful you shined a light on it today. Thank you so much, friend. Any last words you want to share? Yeah. I just want to say whatever hard thing you're in right now, you are not in the boat alone, right? Like you do not have to row whatever your heart is all by yourself find people around you 
for me, I truly like my faith. I would not have gotten through the deployments, through the PTSD, through him going across the ocean, any of these things, right? Without my faith, without people around me, without resources. So I just encourage you, if you do feel like you're in a boat by yourself and you're just rowing and you're like, I don't know how much longer I can do this, reach out, get some help. Just tell somebody, start with that. And yeah, don't try and do it alone for sure. Mic drop moment. Now, do you see what I mean? Talk about a major interruption to my life plan. As you heard, it wasn't like I even knew I was going to be a military wife when we got married 27 years ago. So I was not prepared for all that would come with my hubby on the other side of the world for up to a year at a time and for what life would look like when he came home. And so did war. But God is so good. And he works things together for good, just as he says in Romans 8:28. Yes, we are in a much better place now although I still need to intentionally work on it every single day. And yes, he is really rowing the Atlantic Ocean this year, and you can support us in several ways at FOD23.org. But now, being on the other side of that season, I can look back and offer hope and encouragement to others, no matter what stormy seas you're rowing in. So here they are, three steps to handle a difficult season. One, see it. Notice that something is not okay and name it. Awareness always precedes change, so knowing is always the first step, even if you don't know exactly what it is or only know part of it. Be aware of what boat you're in and the waters you're trying to row in. Two, reach out. You are not created to do life alone, no matter how strong you think you are. Reach out to a family member who loves you. Reach out to a friend who will walk beside you. Reach out to a professional who can help you. Reach out to the Lord who will guide you. And number three, take a step. The hardest step is always the first. So with the strength, wisdom, and faith that he provides, take one step, then the next, and the next. There are no promises your storm will calm immediately or that it will never come back, but you will be moving with intention through it with him. Because yes, God cares about your difficult season. And he's there to strengthen and use it for his ultimate purpose, to make you more like Jesus. When I was going through this challenge, I floundered a lot. I was literally thrown to and fro by every crashing wave and the blowing wind because I was in survival mode, always reacting to what was happening to me. And I was trying to fight against it on my own. But do you want to know what made the biggest difference? No, it was not anything changing about my husband or the circumstances outside me. It was what God did inside me. It was him tapping me on the shoulder and telling me he had a purpose and a plan for me. It was me finally letting go of my tight grip on the oar to muscle my way through the next big wave. It was me getting quiet and still, even in the midst of a really stormy waters and letting him give me peace. It was listening to what he wanted for me. And it was then that I started to lean into what he had for my life, despite my struggles, when I stopped letting my difficult season be my excuse and instead made it my engine. Like I said, you may not be a military wife like me, or you may not be a wife whose husband struggles with mental health challenges, but chances are you have had, will have, or now have a difficult season in your life. And in one way, we're all alike, because the truth is you're not alone. As his daughter, you also have the one who calmed the storm right with you in the boat. Are you willing to let go of the oar 
and let him lead you to quiet waters for his name's sake. I'm cheering for you and praying for you and would love to support you. So send me a voice message or an email with a link on the Redeem Her Time podcast page. It's down at the bottom of redeemhertime.com forward slash podcast. I can't help but leave you with this little tune from when I was a camp counselor that says, With Jesus in the boat, you can smile through the storm, smile through the storm, smile through the storm. With Jesus in the boat, you can smile through the storm when you're sailing home. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you not only see us in the boat and know the depths of the storm you see all around us, but that you are in the boat with us, asking us to be still in our soul, even if the winds and the waves aren't, don't stop. We know that we can trust you because you are faithful to your promise to work all things together for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. And we know that your ultimate purpose is to make us more like Jesus. Help us to see where we are and name it, to take that to others who can help us, and take that first step to no longer let it wash over us. More than anything, may it turn our heart towards you and what you are doing. Help us to be grateful, even for the difficult seasons, because it's then that we get our eyes off ourselves and put them on you, our only sure and steady anchor, and the one who can say to the wind and the waves, peace, be still. Hold my dear sister close in your arms in the midst of her storm even now. And we cannot wait for that day when the sufferings of this present time will not be worth compare with the glory that will be revealed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I really do mean it, but I want to be part of your support team. So send me a message on the link on the podcast page. And I really do mean it that your support for our mission to row the Atlantic and raise awareness around mental health challenges means the world to both my husband and I. So I'll drop the link to learn more in the show notes. Thanks for joining me for this episode. And until next time, remember, you do have all the time you need to do what he has called you to in this season and in light of eternity. Follow his example to create a rightly ordered schedule in a rightly ordered heart, because you are here for such a time as this. Hey, before you go, I pray this episode blessed you, challenged you, and moved you to take action. So, What was the one thing God showed you today? I'd love to hear. So would you take a minute to leave a review on Apple Podcasts? It makes my heart smile, and that way I know you're liking the show. And it helps other busy Christian women, just like you, find real-life answers too. Speaking of which, grab the link and share this with someone you know that's been praying for a breakthrough. And don't forget to come join the after party inside the Redeem Her Time community. We're not just about knowing, we're about doing, together. Head on over to redeemhertime.com to join the community, leave a question to be featured on the podcast, schedule a free 15-minute strategy session, or all the above. Of course, I'll drop the link in the show notes because I know you're a busy girl. Look carefully then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. I'll see you in a few days, friend. God bless.